Welcome to another episode of The Music Prophet. My name is Kyle Vine, and I'll be your host, like usual. Thank you, everyone who is listening and sharing and supporting. It's been it's been really exciting seeing how this type and style and sound of the musicians has really changed, and the knowledge they bring to the show is incredible. And today is no different. I have invited Cassie Taylor to come on the show as our, as the guest, and. I think you'll recognize her from bars and restaurants and other places around town, but you might also know her because your son or daughter might have performed in Camp Star, or maybe you heard stories of her trips to Mexico. I hope you enjoy the conversation, and we'll jump right into it. So my name is Cassie Taylor, don't know. Um, I'm a singer-songwriter uh, in the Sudbury area. Um... I don't know what else to say. I have toured a couple times. Um, I've lived in a lot of different countries. That's a, a fun thing people always like to ask me about. And uh, I play around town a lot. So maybe you've seen me. Hi, Matt. If people are saying hi, I see comments. I don't know if you see I do as well, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, it's actually, and I think it's a really good place to start because... Uh, with your music, I mean, you've, you've traveled a lot with it. And so when it comes to traveling, what is sort of what has been a highlight so far? Oh, <laughs> there, there's a lot of highlights. I mean, the best part about being on the road is having new experiences every day and meeting new people. And it's just so different, um, than than being stationary and being in the same spot all the time. Um, one of my favorite things that I got to do on the road was perform at the venue in Sacramento, California. There was like over 50,000 people in the venue and it was the same as uh, the same venue as the Rolling Stones, like held a few of their like really popular concerts and the Beach Boys as well. So it was really cool just um, the history of that building getting to perform there as well. Yeah, and I imagine, too, when you're in that space, you can kind of, the energy is different, I imagine. Hmm, yeah, it just felt so surreal when I was up there. Yeah, and, and actually, in jumping off that, I mean, it's one thing to play in a venue like that, but then when you return to a, back to Sudbury or back to, like, northern Ontario cities, it's just such a different vibe. Yeah, so <laughs> that's funny actually, because when you perform for for that many people, it kind of loses its intimacy, I guess, to to the show. Um, I definitely felt connected with everyone in the audience, but but it kind of felt like there was this wall there, you know, between me and the audience. But when I'm back in Sudbury and I'm performing for know a couple people in a restaurant or a cafe it's much more intimate and that's when I really get into the you know the stories and and getting to know the audience more um facing you know what I play off of what they like and that's the and that makes the biggest difference especially when I mean your songwriting style I feel like is something where in a big stadium it doesn't resonate as much um well it kind of depends because when I was performing for that crowd specifically, like they were there to see some of that stuff. So 
But yeah, if it was wasn't people who had no idea who I was and I was performing there, um, they definitely wouldn't want to hear that stuff. Uh, but here, yeah, I find I have a lot more people asking me and tell the stories behind them and, and make it more personal. Personal. <laughs> Well, and that's that's actually that's a good connection, right? Because there's there's personal songs and then there's personable songs. So, is there a difference between the two? Do you have two like? Do you have the balance between them? Um. Yeah, I don't, for me, I find as a writer, uh, I write a lot about my personal stories and things that I've gone through, but it's more important to have other people understand or, like, connect with what they're going through to what you're writing. Um, so I never just have myself in mind when I'm writing a song. I always think about what are other people going through? Can they relate to what I'm talking about uh, when I'm writing a song? And the audience is important, especially when... A one, if they're going to listen to the song over and over again, if it doesn't connect, it's kind of tough to get the song stuck in their head. Uh-huh. Exactly. Well, I know for me, when I'm listening to other people's music, um, I know if I like a song right away, and if I can relate to it, I'll just continuously listen to the same song over and over again. So I really strive for what I experience while listening to other people's music, um, that I hope people can experience that when they're listening. And what does that experience look like? Like from their point of view or from my point of view? <laughs> from your point of view, you know, like when, you, when, when with your listening experience and with the music that you listen to. Yeah, so <laughs> I guess it's a bit more personal. Um, <laughs> I don't know, I just, I constantly think of like relationships like past experiences, if I can listen to a song and immediately think back to something that I have gone through, um, I don't know, it, it just kind of helps you through that time, and uh, that's, like I said, kind of my hope for what people experience in my music, is that it can take them back to a time, it might not be a happy time or a pretty time, but if it can take them back and help them through it, then that's kind of the goal here. Because healing music is one of the best ways to heal as well. Exactly. Yeah, honestly, I don't know what I would do without, without music. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you say that, yet you have done, you have started getting into mentorship, you've done the Camp Star. I mean, you found a variety of things that have sort of dabbled with in the space of music, but isn't exactly just songwriting and performing. Hmm. Yeah, so, well, I've been, I've been teaching music for a long time now. Well, I can't say a long time, since 2014 was when I started teaching and when I opened my business. Yeah, that's, but, only, that's only six years. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a, a while now, I guess. Um, but I really started connecting more with it now, um, having done all of that touring and having all that knowledge, being able to share that with, with some of the upcoming artists, some some younger people who are, let's say, like, lots of my students are 14, 15 years old, and they want to 
get into live music, and it's really hard when you don't know how to do it or when you don't have those connections. So to have someone there to teach you about all of that and, and to get you into the industry, um, that's kind of what I hope to be that bridge for them. Because, and do you find that as you, did you have mentorship like that when you were 14 or 15? Um, I did with my dad. So, but, but it's always so hard because I guess you have your parents always on and, and, uh, <laughs> like my dad was definitely a mentor for me, um, in music. Like he helped me, you know, book gigs and, and taught me about, um, being an entertainer and not just a performer. Um, but it's, it's always hard to learn from your parents. I don't know if you've ever tried to, to learn something. Um, it, it's really difficult, but I think we have, uh, yeah, a really special connection that way that he's my father and my, my biggest mentor too. Yeah, that, that, that would make sense though. I mean, especially when it does, when there isn't a separation between being on stage and then being at home, it's kind of, instead of having someone where you, where, the, where you might perform backup vocals and then the show ends and that's it until the next time you do a show. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot different. And I do both sometimes. I just do like backup stuff, kind of with the Chris Stapleton tribute. Um, that's, that's less my band. It's more that I'm just performing for them. And that's, that's a great topic to jump into because, uh, I mean, I, I'm saying I mean a lot today. That's really interesting. <laughs> you know, like, on the, I found on the music prof, you know, like, there's, there's phrases they get repeated occasionally, and today is, I mean. <laughs> uh, but with, but that it, it's important that you mention that because as an acoustic songwriter, in your case, then you sort of, you can fit into a lot of spaces and a lot of times it's not always just about you. It's about supporting other artists. It's about playing with other, on other stages, creating songs for other people without getting recognition as much. Cause there's a, there's a big difference between all of them, right? But have you so found that? I'm like catching a few phrases and like trying to follow along. Yeah, but it's, but I guess essentially I mean that you've done you've done the variety of different elements of performance. You've been solo, and you've been the background, and you've been the person behind behind the stage. Yeah, it's really different um, because I find like when I'm performing, just me and my guitar. It's like, I just have to worry about what I'm doing and um, basically what what the audience wants to hear. I find like that's the easiest thing to do is when it's just me because you're not relying on other people, you're not worried about anything else. Um, I think the most stressful thing for me is when I'm at one of my students' shows or like I'm hosting a show for my students. That's the most stressful time because it's all them. You know, and there's only so much you can do um, from backstage. And there's only so much you could do to to 
help them in that moment and you just kind of hope that after all the work that you put in over the last few months that re they really take that in and use that to shine. I mean, they always do, but you always have that like little bit of anxiety when it's happening. <laughs> You're not in control. Yeah, you're not in control of them on the stage, so you don't know what will happen technically. Yeah. But. Is that a so? Is that re what's more rewarding then, being the one on the stage or being the one behind the stage? That is a really hard question. <laughs> um, I have to say. Right now, for me, the most rewarding is being the one behind the stage. And I always thought for me that it would be the one on the stage. Um, that's how it's been for a long time. But after this summer, when I did Camp Star, um, things started changing because I've never felt so much pride. And like I was so proud and all the students after their, their final concert that they did. Um, like we were talking about, it's like that attachment that you, you grow to things. Um, whereas I have that when I'm on stage by myself, but I think I've been doing it for so long that it's like, oh, I perform, you know, this is great. I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. And then I go, whereas with my students, it's like, this is it. This is it. Now or never, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, so I think I'm definitely more proud being behind the stage. <laughs> and watching them grow would be a big part of it too, seeing them start young and struggling yeah. to even perform a cover and then to get to the point where they're actually doing their own song on stage. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I have uh, one of my students, Leabel, um, if you guys want to go check her out, that'd be awesome. We, we started when she was just little. I mean, she's a teenager now, but I think we started when she was like 10, maybe. And uh, she had just started learning the guitar, just started singing. And we've been doing lessons for years. And now she's actually signed to a label uh, to a label with uh, Jace Martin and Crystal Schwanda. And she she writes. Well, I help her write her music, but like all of her music is is professionally produced and you can hear it on the radio. and. It's crazy to see that like little girl when she just first started writing and she just started singing and seeing her confidence grow over time and uh, seeing how, how big that she's gotten from that. And it's crazy when she tells me, oh yeah, I'm going to fly out and perform a concert on the other side of Canada this weekend. And it's like, wow, that's my, my student. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and seeing that... And the, yeah, it's not even the growth at that point. It's just the surprise that she's able to do it on her own, I uh -huh. feel like. Yeah. Whereas before it was, it was all about the guidance. And now to see that she, well, like we still do lessons together, but to see that, that she doesn't need that guidance as much anymore, that she can take and create on her own and, and do her own things um, from what, I taught her before, which is really cool. <laughs> Does that change the lessons? Because that that almost, you know, and, and thinking about it now, that's actually that almost the there's that element to music lessons that when you get to a point of skill, you can do a lot of it on your own. You can train. You're getting into very complex chord trans 
chord progressions or scales. And then it kind of, it doesn't surpass where you're at, but it changes what they mean. Hmm. So I, I always say that my lessons are a little bit different from the, the standardized music lessons um, that, that you get from other people. Whereas, sorry, for example, I'm growing with my students as they grow. So I'm not teaching them yet the standardized theory of music and then telling them, okay, that's it for today. You learned your theory, go home and come back and we'll do a little bit of more theory. It's more, I teach them their music, their promotions, um, their presence, how to book those shows and how to actually do things in the real world. It's, it's not just about the music. Our lessons, so it's writing, it's kind of the whole package and everything. Um, I really just want to sh like share all the knowledge I've ever learned. So as they grow, they're continuously learning more. They're, it's kind of the way I grew up as a musician and, and learning things little bit by little bit when they're ready to learn those things because I wouldn't throw all of this information at them right away, right? They need to learn the little things before they can make the big steps, which is Leah, for example. We started off with a little bit of singing and a little bit of guitar, and then we moved on to um, songwriting. Then we moved on to getting that label. And then we moved on to promoting yourself and making business cards and, and getting yourself out there. So there's no stop for our lessons. It's just continuous growth and, and learning new things as time goes. Which is something that you, did you find that it happened naturally when you were younger? Or was, or was your dad the main person that sort of, that brought you through, that, through those steps, do you think? I think it's a little bit of both because my dad definitely introduced me to a lot of things and, and he taught me um, a lot of things about promotion and, and being more, I was very introverted as a kid, like very, I didn't want to talk to anyone. So he really brought me out of my shell and, and helped me learn how to have those conversations and, and how to promote yourself properly. Um, and then eventually I took what he, he had taught me and I brought it, you know, on the road. I definitely think I learned a lot when, when I was on tour and, and it kind of started developing naturally there. Also going to university to communications really helped, uh, develop like the marketing and the promotion side of things. And, uh, I'm like a sponge, you know, continuously growing, but, but I think it was a little bit of both at the beginning. I definitely needed that push. But now it's, it's taken off, so. Yeah, and, and a lot of it now is, or rather, when you get to a certain stage, I've noticed with a lot of the interviews with Music Profit that you sub, cert, there's a certain point in a musician's career when it's not about talent or writing anymore, it's actually about finding your audience. Yes. Yeah, so, so there comes a point where <laughs> yeah, it, it's, we always joke, me and my dad, we say it's 50% music, 50% entertainment. And that entertainment sector is knowing who your audience is and how you can, like, reel them in, I guess. Um, because if you just have an artist who, who's good at singing and, you know, good at performing, but not fun to watch on stage or is not engaging enough or is not having the right conversations and not 
drawing the right people in because not everybody's going to like you, but it's important to find the people who do. Right. <laughs> not everyone is going to like your what you talk about or how you sing or there's there, there's definitely someone who just hates your voice out there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. It's just important to find the people who, who are interested and um, I think it kind of relates back to, to sales in the end. I hate to say it, but it's like not everybody wants to buy your product, but there are people out there who do. You just have to find them. <laughs> Which, I mean, and so I'm, I'm kind of curious then. Uh, I mean, partially because of my marketing background, but also yeah. just for people that list, listening that might, that might be able to use it, what is one marketing or like sales, quotes around sales, of course, uh, that you would give people or, or younger musicians? Oh, like a, like a piece of advice. Of course, yeah. Oh, for marketing and sales. <clears throat> I think it's really important to listen to other people. And this is what I tell my students when they're trying to promote themselves, for example, um, networking. It's important to listen to what the other people have to say. If you're the one doing all the talking, you're not doing it right. Um, it's really about what the other person is saying and you have to really listen to every every detail that they're saying because there are things that you can pick up on that will help you sell your product or or get them interested in what you have to say um i could have a conversation with someone and i could be continuously talking about myself about myself but if you're not learning about them you don't know what to pick up on that can connect you to them so i could say Having, be having a conversation with someone and then ask them, oh, like, where did you grow up? Um, and where have you been working? Oh, you travel? Oh, where do you travel? Oh, you lived in Finland? Oh, I lived in Finland. And then you build that connection with them, you build that rapport, and then it kind of gets them hooked, I guess. <laughs> so it's really important to not just, like, know what to say about yourself, but listen to what other people have to say. It is a relationship after all, and the... <laughs> Between you and the fans, whether it's through the lyrics or meeting them in person, you are building that uh -huh. relationship. Yeah, it's all about relationships and rapport. Um, and that's why famous artists like Taylor Swift, um, just my easiest example, it, they are as popular as they are because she's constantly like reaching out to fans. And I don't know if you see in the media all the time, it's like, oh, Taylor Swift gives money to a fan. Taylor Swift visit, visits her fans' birthday party or, like, this wedding or something. Like, she's building that rapport with people. She's not just saying, here's my music, take it and enjoy it, you know? And actually she's speaking, yeah, and speaking of that, also because right now is a uh, a formerly local rapper named Cheza who used to do a lot of local work. <laughs> Shout out to Cheza. I, uh, we did an interview. It's going to be coming out soon. Uh, but... That sort of, that made me think of what, of the community impact. So as a musician, what have you done over the years to kind of, to network and build community connections? Oh, <laughs> that is a tough question because it, it's really something that just has developed so much over time. 
Um, but like that conversation we were having earlier, I give a lot of that credit to my dad <laughs> for, for introducing me. And I'm not sure how he did it, um, how he got all of these connections and like well-networked himself, but he definitely pulled me into that, that world of, of networking and, and being a part of a community. Um, he introduces me to his contacts and uh, basically we've always been the type of people to be doing community service and community outreach and we're always doing like fundraisers and shows and and trying to help the community and be there for people um, that's just kind of the way I grew up so it's something that came over time um, where people reach out and say you know, I have this fundraiser coming up. Um, we really need your help. And you just, you know, put things down and, and you do it for the sake of other people, you know? And um, I don't know. I think that's really important part of community is being there to, to help one another out, especially in this time right now. <laughs> yeah, because it's important. Um, and speaking of community, well, I think it'd be... Uh, would you be open to having people that are watching us ask a question? Yeah, for sure. So I don't know whether, because uh, at the moment, whether uh, Brittany, Matt, Nikki, or Linda wants to ask Cass anything. I can see questions. Hi, guys. So feel free to comment in the box if you want to ask a question. I mean, I feel like... I feel like Linda, with her country show, and I feel like she has something that is just burning in her mind. Hi, Linda. Yeah, if you have any questions, let me know. My my mom is watching. <laughs> and while we're waiting, um, that actually is a great person to follow. Is Aunt Linda's Country Tailgate? It is an it is a fellow CKLU show. And she interviews a lot of country musicians that are kind of new, others that have been around Sibber for a while, and then just a lot. It's a great lineup. Have you ever been on the show, Cass? No, I haven't, but I'd love to be. Linda, hi. <laughs> yeah, make the connection now. Might as well. <laughs> yeah. We're country artist. No. Well, look at that. Actually, so yeah, so I mean, while we're waiting... Uh, you mentioned country artist, which does kind of make me think. I'm, and so, but my question though is, where is the where is the line between country and where you're at? Between country and what? Sorry, you cut up. Country and the sound that you have. Oh, okay. So here's something that's a little bit different. Um, for me is that I don't necessarily say that I'm one specific genre of artist. Um, I find I'm writing music in all different types of genres. And um, so to say that I'm specifically a country artist um, and say that that's where I draw the line, like for me, there is no, there are no lines. If you listen to my, to my album, every song is a little bit different. Um, like jazz and a little bit of, pop and country and a little bit of pop and blues and a little bit of pop um so and she did yeah. ask and it's actually it's it's interesting because uh 
One of our viewers before was Matt LeMay, who is also who also did theater at Theater Cambrian, which is interesting. So we have a yeah, yeah. So we have a question from Aunt Linda from well Linda from the country show. And she asked, How has your history with Theater Cambrian helped you as a stepping stone for your career? So I was involved with Theater Cambrian for a really long time. And you know, before Theater Cambrian, I was not much of a musical theater person or a theater person um, before. But as soon as I got introduced to the to the theater and, and the different programs that they have, um, it completely changed my course. Um, I guess you can say it, it opened the doors to a lot of things for me. Um, I got a lot of um, supporting roles, which allowed me to understand what it's like to jump into another character and become another person, which really supported my acting. And um, also it opened the door to teaching for me. Theater Cambrian was the first time I ever taught anything. I started running their summer camp programs and I started doing their kids academy programs. Um, and I had never thought about teaching before until I started teaching there. So I guess you can say the reason why I became a music teacher in the first place is because of, of theater Cambrian for sure. Yeah. Which is, I feel, and it's, it's interesting, you know, cause it's especially in the arts, I've noticed that it's the small things that sort of all like they pile. Mm -hmm. That was, that was a great motion to like not look like a pile. That was great. <laughs> uh, but it, it's, but a lot of tiny things do build up, you know, the small performances, the small songs that you wrote, uh, the poems and theater stuff that you would do. And then over time, it all just kind of creates this. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's, it's all little stepping stones. And until, Linda, until you brought it up, like, I guess I really didn't think about how much of an impact that community had on me because theater is a community of of itself. Um, and it really, even going back to our last question about community and getting connections, um, this also, Theater Cambrian also opened the door um, to that because I, I gained a whole nother family, like we would say from it. And I made so many friends and close connections and people who opened doors for other projects that I wouldn't have gotten if I hadn't joined the theater and met them. Is there is there any other small thing that you've done that when you think that is sort of a hidden gem for you? Ooh, um, yeah. So <laughs> it's I guess it's not like a music related thing, but I've come to learn now that when I was younger, I was in army cadets for like five years. I know <laughs> it's it's not the typical thing, but I find that it's actually helped me become who I am as a communications uh, specialist in my field because it taught me a lot of things about timing and even, I guess you can relate back to music because it kind of gave me my drive to, to be a go-getter and do the things that I want to do um, because in the program, they were really, I don't want to say strict, strict is such a bad sounding word, 
but they were, I guess they were really tight on, on the things we were doing and, and they always pushed us to be our best and to keep going no matter how hard it got. Um, and so I think that that really shaped who I am as a person today. And that can really, I guess, relate to my music career, like pushing me to, to get that album done, to keep writing, to keep teaching, to keep performing. I think without that background, I might not be as motivated as I am. So. Yeah, because, I mean, it's, in, especially in your, with the things that you do as a multitasking type of element and just the small side projects that you take on plus everything else, I feel like, yeah, you, you're right, you know, when someone really does a deep dive into your music background, but also just kind of like the professional side, there mm-hmm. is a lot that you've balanced and cadets would make it easier to stay driven and focused. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know how I do it sometimes because there's just so much going on that I guess I don't stop to think about how much is going on. But uh, yeah, I think I learned that at a very young age. So being able to grow up with that in mind um, really made it easier rather than, I guess, you know how they say like you can't teach an old dog new tricks? <laughs> I guess because I grew up that way doing things all the time. I was always balancing theater and cadets and school and work. Um, growing up, that it just made it easier to be that way right now. And yeah, no, it's funny you mention that because I find I'm the same way, right? With a lot of, it's just with so many things in the arts and then business related and then side projects and then you get the, like, the poetry slam things. It's just, if you don't slow down, then you don't need to worry. Almost. Exactly. But then when you have something like social distancing where everything comes to a halt, then you realize, man, I've been doing a lot. Maybe I should take a break for a little bit. (laughs) Well, either that or even, you know, like when the burnout sort of kicks in and you don't realize it until it's too late. And then you sort of, you have to take stock of what you're working on and tear down almost. Yeah. I've, I've definitely had that a couple times, the the burnout where it creeps up on you and you don't realize it's happening until it happens. <laughs> how so. do you manage that as an artist, like musically, because this is a music show after all, how do yeah. you musically get past a creative block or musical burnout? So, oh, this is a good question because I also teach this in my classes is that I actually, for writing music, let's say I go through writer's block, which I quite frequently do, um, and I think everybody does at some point, um, go through writer's block. I have like a process that I write with um, that isn't just, sometimes I could pick up my guitar and write a song, it just flows out. But when I'm having writer's block, I have a process that I go through, which is the brainstorming um, phase where you think of what you want to write about, who you want to write about, and you write everything down, you make up stories, you, I don't know, think about your own past stories, um, and then you step into your, as you would know, like your writing, um, your your rhyming schemes and everything, and and the structure, the proper structure of a song. Um, so I guess, like, I don't stop writing when I get writer's block. I, I kind of push myself to keep doing it. Um, even if it's just following that guideline that I have for writing. 
And that's a trick with uh, poetry as well. Um, there's there's when you have writer's block when you're creating a poem or when you're trying to write something in general, you just keep moving the pen on paper. So you just kind of trace, and then eventually you're like, okay, cool, I can go back to normal. Yeah. Uh, and we have, we have another question from Linda. And this is exciting because this is now almost interview 10 that we've technically co-hosted, you know? <laughs> uh, her and I have done eight interviews before this with opera singers and country singers and people wearing mining outfits. It's, it's great. And so we have another question from Linda. And I actually, I'm curious too about this. So why don't you, everyone can see it on the screen, but if you're just listening, the question is, uh, you traveled with Up With People, and what was that experience like for you? So that is a really difficult question because to encompass everything that we did in Up With People, it's, it's something that you can't describe, and um, any of my castmates would, would understand that trying to describe what our experience was like for people to understand, it's so difficult. Well, because maybe we, start with like, what is Up With People first? Okay, so Up With People is a nonprofit organization um, which aims to bring the world together through volunteer service and music. So basically what we did was we all met up in Denver, Colorado, and we wrote and learned this show, um, which for us was called The Journey. And that was about a month. It took. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm reading the comments. Linda, you're not wrong. You do know a lot about her, yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, basically, we would learn this show, and then once the show was ready to go, we would begin the tour, and we would live with host families, and we would travel to. Um, for example, Mexico, Sweden, Finland, Estonia, and we would do community service for, for different community action projects like homeless shelters. And um, I did like youth detention centers and um, just different things like that, different projects like that. And at the end of the week, after doing all of our community service, we would put on like a big concert, a big show, and all the proceeds that we made from the show, we would donate back to the charities that we work for. Um, in the community. So it's a really community-based project. Um, and I say that experience for me was something I could never put a price tag on. Um, or I just learned so much about myself and so much about other people. And it completely like changed the track of, of where I was going, I'd say. And the fact that it was community-oriented is a big factor, right? It's so yeah. focused on getting everyone working as a team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it was it was weird at first because you you meet up with 115 to 120 um, people from all over the world, different countries, um, and if you haven't been exposed to cultural differences, um, it's something that's really unique to be put in one small room with 120 people from all these different countries. Some of them don't even speak English, you know, so, so like there's a huge language barrier, there's a culture barrier. Um, 
for us, I find in North America, we're, we're pretty, or I can't say North America, Canada, we're pretty reserved as people, I find. Um, and when I meet up with my friends from Mexico, like their, their culture of interacting with other people is so different. Um, I mean, I love it. When my friend came up to me for the first time to introduce herself, she like gave me a kiss on the cheek and we're not used to that here. Like that's not what we do to somebody we just meet. Um, so I think like that was my first open my eyes realization of like cultural differences. And, uh, for me, that was really cool. Um, learning about the way other people live their lives and the way other people interact. Um, and I can say like, I, I learned about a lot of those things and I kind of took those things and put them in my back pocket too. It changed me as a person for sure. <laughs> Do you think that the cultural experiences, so seeing the different ways of life, the different personality traits, even that come out when you're in the South American countries and Eastern part of the world, has that changed how you write lyrics, do you think? Like the perspective you bring to lyrics? That's a good question. Um, yes, I think mostly because it changes my stories and it changes the way that I see things and the way I see people. Um, so I can say like the biggest change for me was when I was in Mexico. Um, because it just opened my eyes to a lot of things that I had never experienced before. And I frequently write about my experience in Mexico. And obviously, if I wouldn't have been there, if I wouldn't have met those people, um, it wouldn't have, I wouldn't be writing about that, you know? So it's definitely shaped the way I write songs, what I write about. Um, yeah, my lyrics wouldn't be the same. What is the one thing that you would change? about the experience something that I would change um that's hard I don't think I would change anything because I really believe that everything happens for a reason the one thing I was gonna say that I would change is like not falling off of the roof when I was in Mexico but um but I, I wouldn't even say that I would change that because that also shaped me as a person. Like it, I wrote a lot of songs about that experience and, and how it was like a life-changing experience. Um, so I can't say that I would take that back. I mean, it sucks, but I wouldn't take it back. <laughs> it's unfortunate, right? But that's also, those, some of the best songwriters, are they do take those the worst moments and they sort of, they they. But they sort of trap them into a song, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think, unless anyone else has in the comments, uh, Regan just joined us. Hello. If you have a question for Cassie, you can ask her. Um, and I don't know if Linda has any last thoughts. <laughs> Make it a true co-hosted interview. <laughs> yeah. Um, otherwise, while we're waiting, tell us where we can find you on Spotify, social media, you know, so they can actually go listen to your music and hear your stories. Yeah, so you can find me on Cassie Taylor Music. That's my, uh, that's my Facebook and my Instagram and all of my social platforms. Also, my website 
you can go to CassieTaylorMusic.com um, or .ca. Things. Spotify, Cassie Taylor, everything's pretty similar, so there's no confusion as to where people can find me. So. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so I th- that's a good way to wrap it up. So thanks for coming on, dude. That was that was fun. Thanks for having me. It's so fun. Um, and I suppose I should say that, or actually, do you want to tell us about where you're performing next? Yes. Just so people so can see be, you. We're gonna be doing a live stream. You can help me out with this one because it was. We were talking about it this morning. We're doing a live stream with the Sudbury Arts Council. Right, and um, and I and it was the the whole series, right? There's some songwriters, rappers, comedians. Yeah, exactly. So from six thirty to about eight forty, you can watch a huge lineup of so many different artists. Like, I want to like name them all, but there's too many. I have it in front of me. Um, <laughs> and uh, basically, they're going to be posting that live stream, so you can catch uh, my dad and I are going to be performing and. Uh, other local artists, community, uh, communities, well, comedians, and uh, performers that you can catch on that live stream. So it's going to be a lot of fun, and there's going to be a huge variety. So I definitely suggest you check it out. Yeah, and if you want to see Cass uh, perform a few songs, then you can go there and from and make sure to check any sort of live stream. And yeah, thanks. That was awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so, and uh, for everyone watching out there, or if you're watching it after it's not live, so if you're watching it on Facebook, uh, you can go to the uh, the Music Prophet, P-H-E-T, as a page on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and you can find a lot of the past episodes. So the one I did the shout-out to Cheza, you can find that episode there. Uh, coming up will actually be another one with someone else who's watching, who's a metal singer. His, his band is on there, and there's a whole bunch of others that if you want to check out other interviews, when you're bored because there's a lot of free time all of a sudden, you can discover a ton of talented musicians. So, until next time. <laughs>